hour number three. It's the Plank Show. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Hope the uh, weekend has already already begun in earnest. And if not, hey, don't stress. It's uh, it's not too far away. Oklahoma yesterday, two to nothing. They take care of Stanford. Of course, it's uh, East Carolina. East Carolina tonight in that Charlottesville, Virginia regional for Skip Johnson and the the fellas. So we'll see uh, if OU can can conjure up a little bit of that magic, a little postseason magic like they found a year ago all the way to the championship series where they came up just just short versus Ole Miss. But all of that gets underway tonight. The, uh, the other breaking news we haven't talked a lot about today, Connor, what do you make? The, the SEC officially eight games instead of nine games. What, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather keep it at eight. I guess nine would be a little more fun if you had an extra uh, road or home game against an SEC opponent. But you can put someone – do you put Bedlam on the slate now since it's at eight games? Well, no, you don't because I don't think Oklahoma State <laughs> will agree to put uh, – Because that's Bedlam what – I mean, that, yeah, I just saw a bunch of people talking that the eight-game schedule now and said, oh, are we going to get some Bedlam? But I'm, I'm either way. I'm, I'm fine with eight games for the SEC. Yeah, and I, I just hope, you know, ultimately, who cares what everybody else in the the SEC does? There is that little bit of groupthink to it, to where, who was it? Scott Doctorman, who does a really good job covering Iowa uh, for the Athletic, tossed out the the breakdown on. Big Ten schools, 13 of the 14, play 10 Power 5 games, right, are scheduled to next season. And it's two of 14 for the the SEC, I believe, uh, are scheduled to play 10 Power 5 games. So there's not a lot of teams that are doing it. So I, I just, the only thing I worry about, and Oklahoma hasn't been this way, OU fans have been treated in the non-conference to great matchups that's been a staple of joe castiglione as athletic director he he wants to get you that ohio state non-con game that notre dame home and home michigan you had georgia uh, on this thing tennessee back on this thing but obviously a move into the sec that that altered those out of the equation for you you've got clemson down the road so joe castiglione has historically shown look we we're going to schedule up and I just would think or hope that that's not going to change at all for Oklahoma and and that still they try to get to 10 Power 5 games because that, that's what fans want to see. They want to watch it on TV. They want to pay for it with their season tickets. And then the other two, okay, yeah, you know, you want to play one, one group of five school, great, one FCS school, fine in the other two, but make at least 10 out of the 12 games something that folks care to watch. Yeah, and you can work with having one big-time non-conference game early on in the year, but, man, you do not want to fill that up with big-time games when you go to the SEC when you're going to be loaded for sure. Also, me, also True says the SEC 2024 schedule will be out in two weeks. Yeah, June 14th. Yep. Yeah, that, that's, that's when they're announcing the full schedule. It's right around the corner. So what is that, two weeks from uh, Monday? Is that uh, uh, two weeks? 
it's it's one, two weeks from this past Wednesday, I guess. So it'll be a week from next Wednesday, June 14th, is when they'll announce it. Math is difficult, Connor. Do it not, is, yes. Do not, uh, <laughs> if you're not bright, don't try to do math uh, live on the radio airways. That is a, a challenging thing to do. So I don't know. I, I'm disappointed individually in this. I was really hoping that college football was shifting away from let's only play eight conference games and now just nine power five games and and with the college football playoff expanding to 12 that people would say you know what okay here's a great opportunity to get fans what they want which is better games throughout the course of the schedule to get tv more of what they want which is more power five games more better games across the schedule and oh by the way we're not really going to get punished that much for it because if we lose if we lose one or two games, then guess what? There's a 12-team playoff now, and playing in this SEC, if uh, if we're one of the top couple of teams, even if we don't win the league, probably we're going to the 12-team playoff. I was hoping that would be the case, but obviously that's that doesn't seem to be what's happening at all. There's talk, Connor, that you know Sankey still wants a nine-game conference schedule, and the fact that he's requiring that ninth power five game i guess is a good sign i'd love to see that be 10 in the future even if you get to a nine game conference schedule so there's at least i guess tea leaves that that could be a possibility down the road or that you know with that ninth game you need the the power five ninth game that's at least a sign that yeah sankey's pretty serious in the future that he would like nine conference games but hey i'll believe that when i see that Right. Yeah, before we hit the call in line, we got Kendall patiently waiting, but someone from the 918, I don't know, I think eight SEC teams and another Power 5 team would be a pretty tough schedule. No need to have to play 10 Power 5 teams. Well, and I hear you, the rest of the, the, rest of the nation, if they're not going to be doing that, or at least the rest of the SEC is not going to be doing that, then... Probably Oklahoma might say we don't want to do that. I hope that they they don't take that approach, though, because ultimately the fans win when Oklahoma schedules up. And I think OU wins. You're going to still better position yourself to get into the college football playoff by winning, by playing and winning those games. Or if you, you play and lose one of those games, it's not going to be super damaging. And hopefully until the committee shows you that they're not going to reward that, Technically, you got a chance to give yourself a leg up on all of the competition by scheduling up if uh, if others don't want to do that. So, let's see. David from Norman. OU fans want to make the playoffs. You don't get there by scheduling one or two more potential losses. Well, maybe you do, though, David, is what I'm saying. Maybe you yeah. do. But, uh, you know, we just don't know how the committee in the future is going to handle a lot of that stuff. The historic basis would be probably it's going to work out to your advantage. Yeah, and then, I mean, I feel like some fans are tired of some boring games that you have at home. So, I mean, if you put in a really good opponent non-conference schedule, I mean, that would be a big-time atmosphere in Norman. I know it's maybe a potential loss, but once you go to a 12-team playoff, all that's going to change. Well, it's uh, fascinating. And uh, like I said, I mean, to me – Am I disappointed as a fan? Yeah, of college football, yes. 
Oklahoma still will have the OU-Texas game, we think, right? I mean, it'd be shocking if that's not Oklahoma's permanent game. So if it's 1-7, and I know they're talking about a little bit of a tiering system here, to me, I, I said it earlier this morning, yes, it's good to have a tiering system, but I'm, I'm sort of maybe a little bit a contrarian on this respect that I'm okay with schedules being a little bit uneven at times, year to year, so long as everybody plays everybody every other season and hosts everybody once every four years. That's sort of just a necessary evil to some degree that schedules occasionally not totally not totally going to be uh, be even. Somebody says 918 historic basis. We've never played in the toughest conference in the playoff era. Yeah, and you're right. I'm saying to the 918er here, just the, the BCS in the in the past, you get rewarded for playing good schedules. So we yeah, hey, the, the by the way we still got system. we still got Kindle patiently waiting. All right. No no more waiting for <laughs> Kindle. Let's let's get him in here. Riverwind Casino call in line 405 329 9000. That's the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Kindle, good morning. Good morning to you guys. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing good. Great. Sooners win. Connor, you're good? I'm good, yes. Great performance yesterday, Kendall. We're looking for the same tonight for baseball. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I was uh, biting my nails yesterday during that game. But, uh, you know, I know after the regional, what happened in the regional, I was like, Sooner Max is going to come through, somebody's going to hit a clutch hit, and what do you know? Riley Boone came through, Rideable Wasso, love it. Uh, but, yeah, for some reason, like, I just have a feeling that when OU baseball kind of gets outside of its own conference, I feel like they they rise to a whole a, a different level. I mean, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like what they talked about. They how they compared um, Big Twelve teams once they got like when they get into the NCAA tournament in basketball because like the in the Big Twelve conference. All, all the teams just beat up each other because the conference was so tough. And then once they got to the NCAA tournament, they were seeing, you know, seeing new blood and new teams and teams who hadn't really scouted them all year long and knew everything about them. So I kind of feel have that same feeling about the baseball team that, you know, they're seeing. I mean, I know that this pitcher they're facing today is, you know, he's going to be a top ten pick and he's pretty legit, you know. But hey, we got we have our own guy who's really good too his name's uh carmichael and uh i'm stoked about him getting the uh start i i anticipate i actually had a good i had a feeling that's who they were to go with but uh you know i just uh like i said is hope that the offense comes alive and um you know what was what are some key things that you think need to need to happen today i mean i don't think that he has to you know throw a you know like a uh shut out or anything like that, but I think that, I don't know, I just also, another part of it, too, I, don't, I think that other teams aren't really uh, used to that whole chaos I'm not sure that we kind of, that we do, you know, the manufacturing the runs and just that whole putting the pressure on a, on a team. And, Get on you know, base, make some things happen. Get on base, make yeah, some I, things happen. They, they can they can definitely do that with uh 
free passes. Uh, obviously, they're good there. They, you know, Oklahoma's one of the leaders in sacrifice flies too. So this time of year, if you get good pitching, and and I hear what you're saying, Kendall, maybe you don't need eight strong one run ball from Carmichael, but man. Oklahoma, if they can get quality starts, the the pieces are in place, I think, for this team to go on another run because they do work counts. They do get on base. They do, uh, they do swipe bags. They do sacrifice runners home. So they find a way to manufacture runs that you have to manufacture this time of year. You don't can't always just go out in one big swing of the bat. You know, Oklahoma's not built that way, and I think that's just fine. That's uh, They're built to go win in the postseason, but it's got to be combined with with good pitching. So let's hope that Carmichael is uh, terrific. You know, you mentioned the Big 12. Yes, battle-tested, but I think uh, Virginia and East Carolina would say, you know, different for East Carolina because they're not in the Big 12 or the ACC, but ACC's got a bunch of teams in this tournament. Only trails the uh, SEC in terms of number of bids, so that's an interesting storyline here. I guess what I'm saying is I think this regional is really, really good yeah. with those uh, those top three, uh, Oklahoma, East Carolina, and Virginia. It's not going to shock me if any of those three win this regional. I know, I know, I know East Carolina lost to Tulane in that championship game, but, dude, this is still a really good team, and they got a great pitching staff. You're going to see a really good pitcher tonight who's got great velo. But I just touched on this earlier with you, Kendall. OU has had success against guys that throw up to mid-90s this year because – They've seen that quite a bit with other Big 12 teams in conference play. Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to what Skip, the way he schedules the uh, way he puts together, or not, I guess, Skip, but Ryan Gaines, the way he puts together the schedule of them uh, challenging themselves throughout the you know, throughout the season with the non-conference schedule. It's not like they haven't faced, you know, they you know they played against the went against toe to toe with Stanford the most part, you know, and so it's not like they haven't faced, uh, you know, talented teams and, you know, they can really step Dallas Baptist and got one, uh, you know, um, well, they only got one against West Virginia, but I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying I don't think it's the toughest. I mean, I know it's a good, tough draw, but I don't think it's the toughest draw. I mean, I think it – we've had a lot of success in Virginia, so I, I have just have really – Good vibes about it. You know, we got to Harris back. I mean, I think he's strong. I love the way he can hit the ball. and just very good. I hope that also that we got uh, our uh, case of the uh, not catching pop flies out of our system as well, too. So. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Hopefully all of that is is out of the system and they can go roll tonight and beyond. They uh, They should – Take a little bit of confidence. I mean, obviously, what happened last year doesn't do anything for you tonight and beyond, but it, it does at least give you the little bit of confidence that hey, this this program we've done that last season uh, doesn't doesn't get you a win tonight or beyond, but uh, it it should give Oklahoma a little bit of confidence that yes, they they know how to get hot this time of year and go win one of these regionals on the road uh, and beyond. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun tonight at six o'clock. Yeah, and I just have one more thing to like. We're not about like we're, we are a school and, uh, that we want to win championships. We're not like this about going and getting like you know, like oh we did good. This is this is you know we did good. Not happy to be ball here, ball. baby. Yeah, we're, we're we want to like compete, you know. But I I do want to ask you guys, what do you think about 
them reaching the regional uh, as far as like expectations of the regional after losing like you know basically a whole entire team to the major league last the league uh, last season and well the team being so young. I tell you, I tell you what we'll do. I got to take a to Kindle, but I appreciate it, and we'll hit it right after the break. Uh, enjoy the baseball, Kindle. Have a great weekend. Hey, you too. Boomer. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. And uh, let's talk about that next. Plus, uh, we still got plenty from Sooner Softball we haven't hit on this morning. Coach uh, Skip Johnson was with T-Row. We'll play a little bit of that for you before we call it a day, at least from uh, our portion of the uh, broadcast. I know Steelman going to be out here in his home away from home here very shortly. But uh, what does this regional appearance mean for Oklahoma baseball? Let's talk about it next right here. It's the Plank Show on The Wrap. Back with you, hanging out at Riverwind Casino. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. Connor, say hello to the people. Hello, hello. (laughs) Say hello to the people. Uh, Happy Friday, everybody. Great Friday. It is... It is a terrific Friday. Sooners win yesterday, two to nothing over Stanford. We're here at Riverwind Casino, where the Coop Ale Works. They're presenting the 2023 Beats and Bites Festival. Ten dollar general admission. Children 12 and under, they get in free. Tickets can be purchased online at Riverwind.com, at the box office, or at the gate the day of the show. They encourage guests to go ahead, bring your own chairs as seating. Uh, for the Beats and Bites Festival. It's limited. They've got uh, a bunch of food trucks, 15 of them, retail vendors, inflatables, face painting for the kids, and the concert schedule is terrific. You've got Gin Blossoms and Tonic coming up. That's June 10th. Earth, Wind, and Fire on the 23rd, and then into the month of July, it's Collective Soul, Josh Turner, and Gabriel Iglesias. The football transfer that we we found out about at the well the end of hour number two. I think uh, the the news started breaking right around ten o'clock this morning. We uh, I, I saw it end of hour number two, but Oklahoma has uh, added a defensive line transfer from Tennessee. Was originally uh, a Kansas Jayhawk, but uh, Dejon Terry joins the defensive line rotation for Oklahoma, and it continues additions to the defensive line that Oklahoma's made via the transfer portal. Rondell Bothroyd, Devon Sears, Trace Ford, Jacob Lacey, and now uh, Dejon Terry from Tennessee, the six foot four, 321-pound defensive lineman. 35 tackles, 6 tackles for loss, 3 sacks in 25 games for the Vols over the past couple of seasons. And now he is uh, heading from Knoxville to Oklahoma. So uh, more help on the way up front. It seemed pretty obvious that uh, OU cornerback, defensive line, these were still a couple of areas that OU was targeting. And, Connor, they've gotten another name to add to the mix. Yeah, you get some help here. A dude that's got a bunch of experience, 16 tackles, three-and-a-half tackles for loss, and two sacks last season for Tennessee. But, yeah, also a Kansas transfer. He's going to be a big-time addition. They desperately need help up front to help with Isaiah Coe up there in the interior D-line. So, yeah, big things for Terry when he comes to Oklahoma. Open this hour talking a little bit, too, about the – schedule 
for the SEC going forward. June 14th is when we'll get the the full look at what Oklahoma's first SEC schedule is going to look like. And, you know, really the eight versus nine debate, I would prefer it as nine, but, man, it's going to be exciting on June 14th, isn't it? Seeing whatever that first SEC schedule looks like. Yeah, we got, we got a bunch of texts already. They're ready for the schedule to be released out. I guess there's some rumors about South Carolina, a game in Norman for the first SEC game. So we'll see uh, here in two weeks what the schedule looks like for Oklahoma. But, man, I'm excited. I know you are too, Josh, to see what these matchups look like and see what road games, what great road games Oklahoma will be going to. Yeah, what? Th- there's the question, right? I mean, are you more excited for which teams are coming to Norman? Or are you excited, more excited here, the, the road trips that you can take? That's the thing. It, the matter, it, matters if, yeah, it matters if you're an OU fan that travels a bunch to road games. And obviously you're going to be excited for that. But, oh, I'm sure as hell there's going to be some really good home games as well for OU. But uh, there, there was discussion on the, the text line. And, and I said to me, I'd like to see Oklahoma have the approach where they're still, regardless of, you know, it's eight SEC games, 10 Power 5 opponents on the schedule for Oklahoma. I don't know if we'll actually get that, though I do think you'll get one major non-conference opponent uh, on the schedule for OU because that's been how Joe Castiglione and OU have operated. Here's a, a couple of the responses for uh, what folks said out there. From the 918, there's no precedent set for scheduling down and that keeping an SEC team out, Connor. Keep an extra SEC team out, you said? Well, this text is saying, why would you schedule up? Why would you play 10 Power 5 games if nobody else is doing it and there's no precedent set? You know, I said, hey, the historic basis is this is going to help you out. And that's just because I do think over the years we've seen BCS, College Football Playoff Committee, teams with strong schedules get rewarded, even if that's just been SEC teams getting rewarded. But their point, counterpoint back to that was, well, eh, you say historic basis. Where is the historic basis? There's no precedent set yet that scheduling down has hurt an SEC team. Yeah, I mean, which I'm, is a fair point. Yeah, it is a fair point. And when you're going to this 12 game playoff, this is what it's for. When you have teams that have two plus losses and they play a really tough conference, that's what gets you into that 12 team playoff. Lindsay says, "How's the committee going to handle it? How are we?" going to handle it if we have another losing season let's get good again before we even talk about <laughs> power five non-conference good point Lindsay. yes let's win some games first uh, i hope i hope that oklahoma is going to be good as soon as 2023 but yeah i guess but yeah you know i don't know that you change your approach in terms of scheduling because we were six and seven. I get it as a, as a fan. You're like about ready to drive off the road. Who cares what they're doing in the non-conference? Let's win conference games before we freak out about eight or nine SEC games and what you're going to do in the non-conference. So I, I hear a little bit of what you're saying, Lindsay. Sooner, Gun- Sooner Gunny says, playing in the SEC, you don't need the extra tough Power 5 game. It helped them before because of playing in the Big 12. Right. I think that's what yeah a lot of the argument is. Well, and I would just say fans deserve it, though, still, too. Yeah. I mean, fans deserve it from a viewership standpoint. They deserve it from a, hey, what do my, what does my home ticket schedule look like? So those historic matchups that you can bring to Norman in the non-conference, fans still want that. Uh, the Cruton 
therapist. This is from the Cruden therapist, Connor. Schedule should always first reflect a belief in the program, not in, quote, getting to the playoff, end quote. Always schedule up because it's for the long-term success of the program. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for scheduling up because I like to see a lot of great matchups. I know we got uh, different people that have different perspective perspective on the scheduling. Well, and I know that it was a six and seven season for Oklahoma, but don't let that put this in your mind that Oklahoma can't handle great non-conference opponents, or suddenly they need to alter the way that they've scheduled. Oklahoma should run from from nobody. Oklahoma should bring on all challengers, and that's what the move to the SEC is, and that doesn't have to come at the expense of all of a sudden you're not playing great non-conference opponents, too. Do both, be about both, and embrace both because you're Oklahoma, baby, and you're going to be on the path here with Brent Venables and his coaching staff to where you're going to beat everybody going forward. Someone says, initially disappointed with eight-game schedule, but we are in rebuilding mode. So this is probably a very good thing in the short term. And ultimately, it's probably much to do about a lot of bit of nothing because the 1-7 model, as long as you're seeing everybody in the SEC, that was sort of my biggest concern with the SEC schedule, Connor, is are you going to routinely see everybody in the league? And if the answer to that question is yes, then, hey, I, I, I'm good with it, man. I'm well, good with it. Yeah, that. and I saw – I know it's a little off topic, but I saw a, George, a thing about Georgia and A&M. They've only played each other – I think it was once since since Texas A&M got to the SEC. So, they, yeah, they don't really switch around the matchups. You're going to see a bunch of the kind of the same teams every year. So I've been uh, teasing it for a little while, and let's actually pay off said tease. What were the final remarks that we can share with you from Jada Coleman? Jordy Ball was just incredible yesterday, and my charge this morning has been, and not saying you, Oklahoma fan, but nationally, even beyond Oklahoma, let's not lose sight of what Jordy Ball did just because Kennedy had Oklahoma hitters fooled for just a little bit or slow to go scratch a couple of runs for a little bit. Jordy Ball was amazing. And uh, what did she think? What did, uh, in the moment, she think? And what did she have to say afterwards? We'll share it with you next. It's the Plank Show right here on The Wrap. Back with you. Just a couple more segments to go before we hand it off to Steelman and Thune from right here at Riverwind Casino telling you all about the 2023 Beats and Bites Festival presented by Coop Aleworks. $10 general admission, children 12 and under. They get in free. Family-friendly. They've got uh, inflatables and face painting for the kids, over 15 food trucks, retail vendors, uh, you name it, they've got it going on. Earth, wind, and fire, that's uh, that's sold out. Collective Soul, Josh Turner, that's uh, still got tickets there. Riverwind.com where you can get tickets or the box office or the gate the day of the show. Those are coming up in uh, later July for Collective Soul and Josh Turner. Jordy Ball was just amazing yesterday. And the the incredible thing about Jordy Ball, and I believe it when she says it, Jordy Ball, she says, Connor, high-stress situations, they're fun. 
Um, those are honestly the situations you kind of like to be in as a pitcher at times because when teams pr uh, press you like that, it makes you be your best and you can't take a pitch off, um, and it's a good test. And so those moments are kind of fun, even though they're really high stress at times. Um, but, yeah, just can't take a pitch off. <laughs> One more from Jordy here who says, hey, I'm thankful for this oper opportunity in the Women's College World Series. I mean, we're one year removed. Jordy Ball was the ace of this staff, and uh, all of a sudden the postseason came, and, and Jordy Ball wasn't, wasn't really a part of it for the most part, and the, the Women's College World Series not necessarily a part of that. So different stage for Jordy Ball, but uh, she was ready for it. And more than anything, Connor, again, here's Jordy Ball saying, I'm thankful that uh, I got to be a part of it. Um, going into today, um I think if I learned anything from my injury, it was you just really can't take anything for granted. And so just trying to be as present as possible um, was huge. And at the same time, trying to just treat it like another big game you're getting ready for. So Good for Jordy. Absolutely delivered. And, you know, after the way last year played out, to, to get that opportunity and to go out and do what she did, she was uh, magical and Again, Connor, I believe it what Jordy Ball says. I like the high-stress situation. you got to enjoy it. Yeah, I love it for her. But, yeah, she missed last year due to injury. For her to show up like that first game in this woman college World Series. And she lives up to those high-pressure situations. She was able to get out of some jams against Stanford when they had two runners on, uh, less than two outs. She just puts the, puts the nail down against those Stanford hitters. So, I, yes, I love it for Jordy. Well, and again, my charge all morning long has been, I don't think Oklahoma fans are guilty of it, but uh, Riley Boone, uh, Alina Torres, Riley Boone, Jada Coleman deservedly getting their flowers for standing in, delivering in a big moment, and uh, being able to solve Kennedy yesterday, which was no, not an easy task. Kennedy has gotten a lot of the attention, though, what she did to Oklahoma's bats, but Man, we cannot forget nationally, Jordy Ball was incredible. Incredible with the 11 strikeouts. She strikes out the side to end it, Connor. Yeah. It had multiple situations with runners in scoring position. Did not blink, would not blink, and then afterwards is talking about, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. You know, I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just big, big time for Jordy, the way she closed that game, and... We talked about earlier, but Kennedy got all the attention for Stanford going up against the OU lineup. But you got to give some credit to Jordy Ball, who made life hard for those Stanford hitters all day long. She was really good, and she got some help later in the game. Bottom half of the lineup coming through, Torres, Boone, and then set it up for the hit by Jada Coleman. Speaking of Jada Coleman, let's, uh, let's hear one final time from jada on the plank show here who said this this showed something about the oklahoma offense yeah i think it shows that we don't always have to hit home runs we can be that team that's just scrappy just put the ball in play hit low line drives um i think sometimes people want us just to jack home runs when that just doesn't win it all the time um so just really getting down to the fundamentals and the foundation and just hitting low line drives and just taking the walks and just Taking the walks, getting <laughs> on base, out. making things happen. Out. Yeah, poor uh, 
<laughs> poor editing and emailing job by yours truly. But it, but, it, was, it was a different offense to what we're seeing, Josh. Or Jada was spot on. They were scrappy in that first game. They weren't hitting home runs, hit none. But they just came, out, came up with a big two-out hit, and sometimes that's what you have to do. And work pitches in the count. Man, they did that so great early on in the game. Back-to-back, 10-plus pitches, and that bat to start the game. Well, and I definitely think that part of what we saw yesterday was a team that's been there and has won back-to-back national championships and uh, knows how to deliver in key moments, whether it's you've got the – and then obviously individually players were great. Jordy Ball, we talked about, talked about her here. Uh, you, you don't win this thing without the trio of contributions there in that inning from Torres – from Boone and then Jada Coleman in difficult two-strike situations from a couple of those. But uh, part of that, you lean on the program's experience. Even though, Jordy, it's really the first time at the Women's College World Series for her, for, uh, you know, those hitters, you know, one of them in Torres, it's, you know, the first. But for a couple, it's this is what this program does, Connor, and we're going to deliver in this moment. Yeah, even, even when it's not pretty, and that's what it was in that first game. Felt like Stanford was getting – Maybe a little bit of momentum. They were out hitting OU through those first uh, four innings. But, hey, championship teams, they find a way in big spots in the game. That's exactly what they did. Washington and Utah is the other game coming up at noon. How do you see this thing playing out? Do you uh, you feel like you have a good idea of who's winning this game? Yeah, I mean, teams that have seen each other a bunch, obviously Pac-12 teams, but I'll probably lean – I'll lean towards Utah for another gasso to see if he can move on into the tournament and stay in the winner's bracket. I think it'll be a really good really good matchup, though, today. Hey, speaking of OU baseball, uh, holy smokes, Virginia's not messing around, are they? Have you seen this story they, yet? Okay, I knew they started at 11 a.m. For some reason, I have not got it on the TV back here in the studio. <laughs> okay, well, so you have no idea what the score is, I correct? just looked, 6-0. Six, six okay, well, make that 7 to nothing for virginia now and let's see what are the other scores i can pass along for you texas tech it's early that's bottom three espn u game texas tech leads uconn one to nothing there top three ball state kentucky that is scoreless on the sec network Uh, probably you don't care to tune in to this virginia army game anymore because it looks like it's going to be a virginia route that's bottom two on uh, ESPN Plus, and Virginia is all over. They added another run as I'm watching here, Connor. Yeah, and uh, I heard Toby and TJ talk to someone with Virginia on the line earlier in their show, and they are talking about how tough an oppo- opponent Army is. And, yeah, man, Virginia's not messing around. 7-0. to zero. Uh, Kentucky Ball State. It's funny, man, that Lexington Regional. I don't know if he saw, but all the teams and plus the coaches have to stay in the dorm rooms at Kentucky. Did you hear that? Yeah, I saw that story making the uh, <laughs> the way around, and, and I, I guess they, they have to pay, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I guess the first night they got there, the AC wasn't working in some of the rooms. Oh, my goodness. What a disaster. <laughs> well, maybe they won't be paying, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you got a refund. So, yeah, but yeah, that's what it looks like. So, winner of Tonight, OU and East Carolina, man, looks like it look, Virginia. looks like you'll play Virginia in the second game. Yep. Should be a great matchup tonight. This East Carolina pitcher, he's the real deal. Tough task for the OU hitters, but, man, they've seen some really good pitching 
through conference play, so it's going to be nothing new to them. Nine to nothing, Virginia. They, Keep they it have, rolling. They, they have tacked on two runs since we started talking about how much uh, they're beating up on Army. So on, pay, on pace for about 50 runs here against Army. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's looking like it's going to be a record. The uh, rest of the game's about to first pitch at noon in uh, the baseball regionals look like this. It's NC State Campbell. That is uh, an ACC network game. It is Lipscomb. Clemson, ESPN Plus, Washington, Dallas Baptist on ESPN Plus, UNC Wilmington, uh, UNCW versus Duke, ESPN Plus, Wright State, Indiana State at uh, noon as well. And let's see here. Last but not least, you've got Northeastern Maryland on ESPN Plus and Xavier, Oregon coming up uh, right here at the top of the hour on ESPN Plus. So if you're like me and you've got your – ESPN Plus uh, bundled with your Disney Plus with your Hulu, then uh, you're going to have a lot of college baseball to pick from on uh, Hulu over there. Or ESPN Plus. If uh, you just have ESPN Plus, you can scroll through. And a lot of baseball about ready to get going as well. We've got one final T.O. to take. We'll take it. Come back and put a bow tie on this thing. It's the Plank Show on the route. One final time, we are back here from Riverwind Casino on the Plank Show. Steelman. He'll be hanging out, Mike Steely and Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon right around the corner, so you don't want to go anywhere for that. Steelman, he'll be hanging out out at Riverwind Casino for a couple more hours, but just uh, this final moment for us. It's the home of Suna fans. Uh, I'll be brief. We won't spend much time on this, but Connor, I don't I don't know if we're going to have much of an NBA Finals. I, I don't think so either. Just watching that first game, I mean, Miami Heat tried to come back a little bit in that fourth quarter, but, oh, man, very dominant by the Nuggets. I mean, dude, they're just an all-around team. They're, they've are they been really impressive all season long. I, I don't see Miami Heat taking this thing six games or seven. Yeah, and I don't want to be too prisoner of the moment, knee-jerk reaction to one NBA basketball game, but uh, who the heck's going to slow down Nikola Jokic and he got – contributions from others last night and late when Jokic needed to go get one or two buckets to make sure that they kept him at arm's length he just it was it was like just give him the ball in the paint let him go to work and he he scored at will so I I don't know I look at that and I say there might be some serious serious problems for the Miami Heat in this uh, NBA finals but I hope that they uh, turn it around and, and go win that second game sorry Perry Spitzer Perry the sales guy I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for the Nugs to win the series but uh, greedily, I, I'd like a little bit of in- entertainment along the way. So, you, be, you need you need a better game from Jimmy Butler. He didn't really provide that for the first game. And the Heat, I feel like the Heat are screwed if they don't get like twenty plus from Jimmy Butler. So, what are we going to see this weekend, uh, Connor? When we reconvene on uh, Monday, has Oklahoma taken care of business versus Tennessee? I think they will. Yes, it's going to be. It's going to be a fun matchup, though. I think you're going to see a lot of offense. It's going to be completely different than what you saw against OU and Stanford. The schedule, by the way, 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock tomorrow on ABC for Sooner Softball versus Tennessee. If they win, it'll be uh, Monday in the semifinals, Monday morning in the semifinals at uh, 11 o'clock. That's an ESPN game. But uh, if they lose this thing, they'll they'll drop to the other bracket, and they will turn around and play Sunday night at uh, six o'clock 
on ESPN2. So that's uh, the schedule for Oklahoma softball. Tomorrow, just quickly here, tomorrow, 2 o'clock, ABC, lose, Sunday, 6 o'clock, ESPN2, win, 11 a.m., Monday, ESPN. So that's what uh, the schedule ahead looks like. I think Oklahoma's going to take care of business, Connor. I feel pretty good about it, and uh, we'll see what they do in the circle. I'm intrigued whether it's because Jordy Ball went out and struck out 11 and looked uh, looked un, unfazed by the big stage, which is not surprising. Uh, I liked what Patty Gasso said. We didn't play it this morning, but she uh, she took a question last night and said, Nothing this team does anymore, Connor, surprises me. <laughs> no. Yeah, they, they just keep rolling. I, I think they're going to stay in the winner's bracket. We have it. We did have a few texts that uh, would they like to see Nicole May to start the game and then Jordy Ball to finish that, to close it out, which I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. If you can get a big lead on Tennessee or just uh, you know a good lead, two or three runs, and bring Jordy in to close it out. So we'll, see how, we'll just see how that goes, whether it's Nicole May or Jordy Ball. I'm fine with either one. Yeah, I mean, Jordy Ball's been terrific, terrific in relief. So if they call upon her to go close the game, probably uh, she's going to get the job done. She has been just amazing at both. And uh, Oklahoma, that was fun yesterday. Well, <laughs> a little stress-inducing. Very stressful. The, the, fi- the, the, the final two, in- two or three innings were very fun. Championships aren't supposed to be super easy, though, Connor. You're supposed to be a little bit of uh, a struggle along the way. And we uh, we saw Kennedy make Oklahoma work for it yesterday. So Oklahoma, Tennessee coming up uh, tomorrow. Sooner, Sooner baseball tonight versus East Carolina. Probably going to be Virginia because they are handing it to uh, Army right now pretty good. That's it for us, for Plank, for Connor, and uh, for all of you on the phone lines and the text line. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Go Sooner softball. Go Sooner baseball. Steel Man and Thune next. Don't go anywhere.